So why aren't people excited to go to church? Is church not fun? Should it be fun? As Christians, do we need to show to the world our dedication to Jesus? And how do we avoid laying down the guilt trip on those who act excited about other things and not church? This is all coming up on this episode of the Dude Facts Podcast. Welcome to the Dude Facts Podcast. We're four guys that are united by a love for coffee, Jesus, and corny jokes. In the past, we all served in ministry together. In the present, we create podcasts to help you get through your week. And in the future, we aspire to be the granddad that teaches his grandkids to pull his finger. So if you love Java, Jesus, and dad jokes, you're going to fit right in. So sit back, relax, Grab a cup of Joe and enjoy this week's episode of the Dude Facts Podcast. Ah! That is the signal to start <laughs> part two. So welcome back to part two of this podcast. Josh, you posted something on Facebook the other day referencing photos of this family that was trudging through the snow to get to their NFL playoff game seats so that the Bills Stadium, if you didn't see it, had a ton of snow. It was packed. It was ridiculous. And um, yeah, people still went to this game, even though it was rough. And in the post, you referenced some some nameless church leaders um, that use those images <laughs> to question why people don't exhibit the same type of excitement or resolve, perhaps, when it comes to church attendance. In other words, people will use any excuse to think of, of why they shouldn't go to church. Like it's too rainy or it's too hot, it's too cold, it's too snowy, I'm too tired, whatever. Now, instead of speaking to the issue of people skipping out on church, you turn the discussion to focus more on what are our churches doing that is more exciting than say a football game or, you know, what, what are we doing to generate some of that excitement about Christ? And you referenced the early church acts two uh, and four and how that early church was excited to be together. They were gathering, they were leading people to Jesus. They didn't have amazing lights. They didn't have a cool band, a trendy pastor, a cool church marquee with clever sayings, um, superb visuals or coffee, but they were growing in number and they were living out their faith passionately, meeting together and giving to one another. So that's really the setup for what we're going to talk about tonight. And I understand one of the reasons we thought about it is because it started to generate some good discussion on your post. And uh, Josh, I think there are a lot of comments on there today. Um, and I think it'd be appropriate for you to share some of them. So what kind of feedback did you get? Yeah. Um, first, I want to thank Grant for providing some visual stimuli at the first part of your <laughs> intro there for our people who might be hard of hearing to really grasp yeah. what's happening. So thank you for that, Grant. I'm um, just trying to be more cognizant of the uh, deaf people that might just watch us on YouTube. Yes. It's a yeah. small demographic, yeah. but you matter. <laughs> Jesus you sees you. Mm -hmm. You can't hear him, but he sees you. And for a small price, we are also available on Peacock as well. So, On what? P-what? It's <laughs> um, my favorite yeah. bird name. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah. So this, we were planning on talking about something different 
this week. And um, I got a little snarky earlier um, on Facebook a couple days ago. Um, and every now and then I'll just get something in my crawl and want to hop on a soapbox and share it. Um, and so, yeah, this, this picture of this family going around and, and I just saw some people, some, some ministry leaders, by the way, that list has been, um, those names have been redacted. I can, um, I can't share them. So, but maybe if down the road, the FBI decides to release them, I'll let you know. Um, just, that's just where we are. So you would redact it again. I would redact it. No, so yeah, all up in here. Um, <laughs> Basically, it was just one of those things, seeing seeing someone in church leadership kind of use something that happened in culture to Jesus to people um, and in a way that almost it's manipulative, um, I, I think, to whether their people miss church or not. These are people here local. I doubt they were at the game, but just to kind of put, it almost felt like it's putting people in their place about you shouldn't choose that over being in church. Or if you do choose to hang out for hours standing in the cold, you certainly can sit in a warm sanctuary for an hour, stuff like that. Um, and so I just shared some thoughts on that and got to the point, like you said, where it was more of, instead of posing those questions on social, when we have that kind of opportunity. And I do want you to know, like I even said, I'm, I'm guilty of doing this. Um, I'm not, I've been in church leadership where I've seen that stuff and I've taken advantage of it. I've done that, that myself. Um, but the question I was saying, it should be more like, well, why are they choosing that? Like, what is it between doing something different? Maybe it's specifically a playoff game, which I would not turn down the opportunity to go if it was my team and I could get away with it. But just in general, instead of using these tactics to try to get people to maybe feel more guilty and and come to church or not do other things and to, to choose church first, I don't think we ever ask the question of, well, are we, are we worshiping in a way are, are our services done in such a way that it is something that someone would say, I don't want to miss out on that. I would, I would rather do church and then reschedule that for another time or do something different. Um, and, and I don't want people to think that I was just saying, how can we be more entertaining um, to get more people to come to church more often, like trying to compete. And I had uh, a friend, um, his name is Jeff Shockley. He's a great guy here in Clarksville. Is he an electrician? Um, used to be, used to be, you know, but, uh, no, Jeff, he runs a ministry called the well here in town. And, um, he, he said, he said, when our definition of being sold out for Jesus is based on Sunday attendance in a gathering, we aren't being very biblical. Um, and then somebody else, um, somebody else, yeah, they're all Jesus jukes. Uh, then somebody else said, um, Oh, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll come across it, but I like what he said that we can't just base church attendance on being sold out for Jesus as well. Like, cause a lot of people will come, this is what I want to say. A lot of people will come to an entertaining service. Um, things like, wow, that pastor is a great communicator or that music's really awesome. Or it's, it feels like I'm at a concert or I don't know, whatever. Um, and is that really a biblical gathering either? So I think that the discussion is, 
what does it look like for churches to offer biblical services that really are a huge draw to Jesus followers? That it would have to be something pretty big to make us want to miss out on that. And I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I... I so are I we talking hope... just Christians here? Well, and I think based on the comment that I was, the comments that I was reacting to, it's Christians. Probably right. Yeah, okay. it's Christians. Because I, I, I wrote this and then I, I deleted it because it just didn't fit. But I said, we can't, we can't expect anything less from people who aren't Jesus followers. If they don't go to church anyways, like what else do we expect them to do? But I think it's, I think those kinds of comments when we put them out there are people that we know are usually in our pews and just aren't because they chose something different. And maybe they're only there every other Sunday because they got this or that. So I can jump on people going all out to get to a seat in a football game to try to manipulate my people to not miss out on what we're doing. So yeah, church people. Okay. Because I mean, we could have talked, if we were talking all people, right? There's a big debate in churches. Are you a missional church or an attractional church? And I don't think they're mutually exclusive. If you're specifically targeting non-believers and you're trying to be attractional to them and you present them with the gospel where whatever they go to, well, your attraction is missional. So I don't think they can be, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Uh, my only big thought about this is we are Americans. Surprise, surprise. We're listening. You're listening to a three United States of Americans. Um, not South American Americans, but we are very um, economical. Like we give so that we can get. So we think about uh, spending our time somewhere. Like I'm going to go to this football game because I get entertainment or I'm going to go to this thing because I get this from it. And so we do risk reward. And I mean, we had to play some of that in mind with all the snow canceling church. Do we risk it? Do we, is it worth it just to gather together? Even if it's just 10 people, I don't know. Um, but that's all about the receiving. What do I receive? How can we get these people to want to receive? But I think the the biggest blessing in the church is the giving. And I was thinking about this since we proposed this topic, what, yesterday we started texting about this or was it today? I can't remember. Yes. I think it was yesterday. But we're all the three, well, and Ryan, we're all married. And I think one of the first instances I had of this was like surprising Erica they finally started sinking into me, surprising Erica by proposing to her. Like I snuck out of Chicago. She thought I was working on my birthday. I actually took an overnight train. Like I saved up for a, pretty much our whole relationship to buy her that engagement ring and just, you know, scrapping together just to get her that ring. I was going to miss that, the setup for anything. I was going to be there no matter what. Like I had a plan. I had a friend hiding in the bushes to take pictures and like I was not going to miss it. And then I'm, I'm staring here off camera. We have like a stack of, I'll show you. It's a bunch of rainbow wrapping paper for my, my three-year-old turns four on, on uh, Tuesday. Oh, I'm super, ex- yeah. yeah. Happy birthday, Siggy. She doesn't listen to this. Uh, I don't get anything on her birthday, but like, I wouldn't miss that for the world. Cause I'm so excited to give her these things. I'm so excited to give. And I had to look it up. It was John F. Kennedy who said, uh, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you, you can do for your country. We do not apply that to the church as American believers because we're asking people to apply that rationale. What can I give you or what can I give my church for something that's going to cost them everything? 
I mean, I think it, it's also tied to our idea of, of cheap grace. Like Jesus paid it all. Um, and we say, oh, but he, he, he made it available for free. And what did Jesus say about following him? You must take up your cross daily, deny yourself and follow me. And so if we think of, about what am I getting from this, you're losing everything and you're gaining eternity and you're gaining a body of believers. Like there are things that you for sure gain, but we need to look at it like what, what can I give? Like I'm every time I get to give somebody a gift, even Jesus said it's better to give than receive. But every time I give someone a gift, I'm there. I'm so excited. Like I'm ready. Um, I don't handle our finances um, when it comes to like tithing in the church. Like we usually get cash and let the girls put it in to try to teach them. But that's exciting. I remember when I would get cash for my paycheck, I was so excited to go to church. I don't care what he had to say. Like is that stress of, oh no, I have this wad of cash in downtown Chicago. What am I going to do with it? <laughs> don't get robbed. But like I was going to give. And I, I'm... I think it's hard in American cities where there's multiple churches where we're trying to outcompete other churches to attract people in. And we're not teaching them, hey, here's the gospel. It's good, but it's going to cost you. But you get to give. That's the blessing. You get to be like Jesus and you get to give. And that has nothing to do with trendy sneakers or nothing. Those are bad, but it takes a lot of the what can I get out of it out of the equation. I think it's pretty interesting. Yeah, and that's... It, it, and that's what that's part of what's radically different from you know everything else that we do as you said as Americans entertainment mm. whether it be football games or concerts you know all of those things we go to and we pay lots of money for to get something out of it and it may be exciting in the moment but and we may talk about it for a long time to come you know, I still talk about the Music City Miracle. I went to that game. I was sitting in the end zone. It was, oh, it was exciting. Nice. Lucky. I but, talk about a double doink. <laughs> a double doink. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Grant. I, um, you know, it, it, it's funny because, you know, to tie this in, I remember the time that Josh and I went and saw Coldplay in concert. And a great concert. Very exciting. But um, something hit me about halfway through that concert. Um you know, they're, they're playing one of their songs. Yeah. People have their hands raised, mm-hmm. their eyes closed, and they look like they're worshiping. And, and they probably were for yeah. that matter. And, um, it, it, it really didn't look any different than most of your American churches, your, your contemporary American churches. And, uh, I'm not knocking, you know, worship necessarily in, in the American church. We can get into that. And we've talked about that before, but, um, I think sometimes, even without trying to be like the world, we try to model things in our own sort of ability and power with what we know. And if what we know is going and consuming, then we make the church like that, as this is a place where people go and consume. And like you said, Grant, it's different. What stands out about us, obviously, is Jesus. But what stands out about us is, yeah, that Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And what an opportunity it is as the church to serve and to get people excited about serving. That's, you know, I don't know about you, but when I've had opportunities to serve, um, yeah, I, I can tell you great stories about awesome sporting events and concerts and vacations and all of that. But when I've had opportunities to serve, those really leave more of a lasting impact in my mind. And uh, really, I, I get excited about 
being a part of the church in those instances. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe that's part of the reason why people aren't excited to come to church is, is they don't get opportunities to really exercise what it means to be the church or to be a Christian for that matter. Instead, they're, it's more of the same from what they get from the rest of the world. Yeah. And that's, sorry, I feel like my voice is kind of going. Um, that's, that was that acts two part in, in sharing my thoughts is in there. It says that, 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 that first church is they're just trying to figure, figure it out. Like, okay, well, Jesus has gone back to heaven. What do we do? And, and it, oops, sorry, it says that they, they were defined by four things, like their devotion to the apostles teaching the prayers, the fellowship and the sharing of meals or, or, or communion. And that word, the fellowship, um, you know, you guys probably know it's, it's, it's the word koinonia in that instance. And it's the word the right before it, um, it, a definite article. So um, Luke, when describing the church, wasn't just saying it was fellowship, but it was a specific koinonia. And um, like Ohio State. Yeah, like the Ohio State. This was The. the fellowship. It was a capital F fellowship. And I've, I've taught on this before in the past. And, you know, I'll say something like growing up Southern Baptist, like when I hear the word fellowship, well, there's a specific call for that. And fellowships when we eat ice cream together or there's fried chicken and it's something after church. Like Tater that's, salad. that's fellowship. And, you know, the, the idea of koinonia, though, is it's it's a it's a group of people that are united by a unique characteristic of some sort. And this group does everything they can to seek the benefit of each other. That's that's when you're existing in a koinonia. So for the church, it's a unique belief in Jesus. And so they're living together and they're, they're devoted to that in such a way they're doing everything they can to seek what's best for each other. Um, and so that's what they were doing. And then we read what that looked like of meeting in homes together and being at the temple and sharing meals and selling off their stuff to make sure people's needs were met and no one went without their need met. Um, and because of all these things, there was a sense of awe in the group. And then we read later on that Jesus added to their number daily, those who are being saved and 3000 in one day. Now we may never see that again, right? Culture's different. Um, livelihoods different. We're not going to meet every day together. We're not going to go to a synagogue and meet there, right? It's, it's different, but the commitment to each other can still remain um, and should remain. And you were mentioning that, um, both of you guys meant that, but, but Ryan, you jumped in on that, that idea of serving that these people didn't have to be to- told to serve. The, the church didn't have to, I'm sorry, Grant. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, they didn't have okay. to be told to serve. Like they didn't, the church didn't have to develop ministries and serve teams and these things. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just, God has changed my life. I know what he's done for me. How, how do I make sure other people, maybe they need to be taught over time, I guess, but it, it's one of those things I really think, as you guys have said, is lacking within local bodies um, of Christ. Um, and I don't know if that's so much a leadership issue or a content issue or, People just aren't really taught that they're, that they're they get baptized, but then there's no discipleship. Like take up your cross daily. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think about that 
And then I think, and that was really kind of where I jumped off in that, in that post was if that's what was going on in our churches and in my church where I attend, if, if we saw that koinonia, I, I don't think people would miss very often. Um, and if they did, there's probably a good reason. It probably just wasn't, eh, I'm not feeling church today. I'd rather just sleep in or I'd rather do this. I, I think we're drawn to that because deep in us is a God-placed desire for community with other believers um, to live in that, that relationship. And so we don't really see that in our churches anymore. Um, and I don't know if we have since the church was institutionalized, what, back in like 300 AD or something, whenever, I don't know my church history very well, but since since it became the religion of the land, it, we lost some of that and I actually had somebody mention um, a friend. He said, modern church, basically any church beginning with the start of Catholicism is a lecture experience. There's no real interaction, no Q&A. The only participation is singing, but at a football game, you don't just sit there. It's been proven adults can sit in a lecture situation for no more than 20 minutes, kids and teens even less. Yet that's how we do school and church. He said, I don't have a solution, except maybe we need to get back to how the church was in its infancy. Um, and and this guy, um, I don't. I think it's been a while since he's he's been in church, but... Um, but because of that, there's not, it doesn't like there's this connection. Um, and I'm not saying we need to do away with preaching and with music. I think that was there. They were devoted to the apostles teaching, like all that was there, but we really have missed out, um, and lost the, um, absolutely necessary activity of willingly serving each other within the church. And I think that's the attractive thing um, that if someone's in a church and they're seeing that, I don't think they go because they have to. I think they go for the most part because they want to. Yeah. I, I put the question out there. Do you believe that there's a call for today's church to get back to the early church or the basics of the early church? And then, you know, what, you know, let's not beat ourselves up. You know, what, what might we be doing right or, or, Maybe what are we doing differently that we haven't done in previous years that's getting back to that? But also looking inwardly, what are we doing wrong uh, when it comes to uh, these things that we've been discussing? Yeah, and I don't want to beat up church leaders because even those that maybe sent messages like that, I, I think they're guys that are really trying to honor the Lord and guide their church as well. And they're probably doing everything they can to make it biblical. Um, but then there's still this, uh, you know, we, I don't have value or my church doesn't have value if these people don't come or whatever. So I don't want to put all this pressure on church leaders and say, well, if you're doing it right, you know, no one would ever miss. <clears throat> but then on the other hand, I don't want to, I don't want to come across legalistic and be like, you should not choose anything other over church Christians. You should always be there. One of the most eye opening seasons in my life was when I was out of ministry for three years. And I just attended church and it was awesome because if there's a Sunday I didn't want to go, I didn't go. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't have to do this or that or the other. And I went to a Titans game once or twice because I had a friend with tickets. And so you were that. I person. was that guy. I was that guy. Um, and so 
<laughs> Sam, but in that, that, you I think are that man. I am that man. Yeah, you were the man. <laughs> so I think there's room in that. Like, I don't think it's a hard and fast. You should never miss church, or it's. I mean, Jesus never went to church. If people do, gee, there you go. There's, there's, there's a personal conviction in that. Um, but instead of the whole point was not to say either of those things. The whole point was was to say maybe we're just not doing everything we can to be biblically attractive, and maybe that would change our people's perspective. That did not answer the question you just asked, Jeff. But I wanted well, to say well, do that. you think some of this is? Um... You know, we, we talked a lot about, you know, the unchurched versus the church. And, but do you think some of this could be generational? And the reason I say that is, you know, today here in the uh, beautiful CLV, it started to sleet a little bit. And I'm checking Facebook. I'm at work on post, Fort Campbell. I'm checking Facebook. There's a Fort Campbell post that says, hey, despite the weather, we are still at normal operations. I'm like, okay, just making sure they're not trying to send people home. You know, whatever. I have soldiers I need to look after and make sure I send home. Well, then I'm reading the comments just for a second. And um, it's a lot of young army wives who are like in their 20s. And they're like, well, it's sleeting here and there's already a half inch of sleet on the street. So Apparently, you don't care about soldiers and their welfare, um, you know, yelling at, um, you know, really what's like a <laughs> who, who knows who's putting this uh, post on Facebook. It's not like it's some, some general putting this out there. And then you had other people look like a retiree who said, man, we've gotten soft. I remember in the 70s when I was commuting from Hopkinsville, we used to drive in the snow and we were at PT at 630 and we still did it. It didn't matter. Yeah, but you didn't have and Facebook so, in the seventies, turd. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> or or cell phones. You whined to your but, wife, and she told you to go outside. <laughs> you did what you knew. But it's funny you see this clashing of generations where there's one that seems to want to find any excuse to get out of something, um, other that's like, "Hey, suck it up and and deal with it." Um, not to not to fit everybody into those boxes. But I, I see that when it comes to the church issue a little bit too. But the reality, at the end of the day, if people want to be somewhere and be a part of something, they're going to do it, i.e. Stanley Cups at Target. I mean, you're going to line up at 3 a.m. just to get a stupid cup. So if you want to be there and you want to be a part of it, then you're, you're going to make the effort. The excuses aren't going to be there. It doesn't matter if it's snow on the ground. It doesn't matter if there's a football game. You, you are going to want to be there. Um, I, I think it speaks more to the heart is where are people's hearts. And uh, obviously, I know that that's part of what some of these nameless pastors were, were trying to get after. Why didn't their parents but, name them? You know, to, the, to speak to the other <laughs> end is it's not that we're, um, you know, uh, I, I obviously... In, in some respects, preaching to the choir, but we don't have those expectations of people that aren't saved because they don't know the excitement of Jesus. But I would also argue that our people that do know Jesus and have been around the church, I think a lot, oftentimes they miss out on the excitement because we don't teach them mm-hmm. how to follow 
Jesus in a way that is exciting, that is biblical. Instead, we we market it to look sort of like the world's setup when it comes to anything that mm-hmm. people are involved with. Yeah. Well, I think I would temper people's expectations too. Um, don't, I mean, obviously again, don't. Did we just go silent all of a sudden? <laughs> no, I was thinking about my word. Can oh, you hear me? I, oh, I don't hear Grant. I can, I oh, can no. Hear can you hear me, Jeff? Okay, now I can hear you. Can you Hello. Yes. Okay. okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, I think to continue tempering people's expectations, don't go disappointed by what you're not getting. Like, go with anticipation about what you can give. But I would also caution people to temper their expectations about the church and its impact on your life. The church is not going to make your life better. The Holy Spirit will, and Jesus will. He might use those people as his vessels to do his bidding, and he might not. Uh, I think some people go to church. I mean, there's 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 a book. It's called 101 Indispensable Things Every Pastor Should Know. Um, but it had a really interesting section about why people start attending church in the first place, for non-believers to start attending a church. Um and like why they came largely it's because they were invited by friends, but also it talked about breakdowns. They did this massive survey figuring out what life events made people check out church. A huge one was people having children. Uh, they want to moralize their kids. Maybe church was a good memory in their back background and they started attending church themselves. And then they bring their kids and they find out that their kids are still punks. Uh, even though they go to Sunday school, even though they buy them nice church clothes, even if they sit up front and even if they pay attention, maybe even take notes to what the pastor is saying, even if they baptize their kids. But I think, again, that's that's thinking about what am I getting from this opposed to what can I give toward this? Um, you know, go thinking, I'm going to meet some awkward people, but what can I give them? How could I give them attention, affection, friendship, that deep friendship that we call fellowship? How can I give them that? What are my resources? I mean, Jesus says where our money is, our heart is also. So what if you brought your heart financially to church? You'd be so excited to do it. Um, what if you, I mean, worship, we talked about music in church, but like music for me in church is more impactful if I don't like it, because that's me just singing with people the same songs that maybe it's not even our preference, but even if it's giving myself, giving that time that I would rather do other things. I'm the pastor. If I would rather be doing other things, I'm giving my time to this group of people to sing and make a joyful noise to the Lord with songs that I might not even like. But just go thinking, what can I give? That changes everything. What can I give? Not what is it going to give me, because you're going to be disappointed. The people are going to let you down. The music's going to let you down. The website's going to let you down. There's going to be a newer, sexier church right around the corner. Give it five years, and you're not going to be at the cool church anymore. Not that we shouldn't try it. To do everything we can to the fullest, work to show yourself approved, um, rightly handling the word of God, whatever your hand finds to do, do for the glory of God, like all that, yes. But go as an attendee, go with the expectation of what can you give. You'll never be disappointed there. That needs to go on your marquee, Grant. <laughs> like, don't come here to get something, come here to give. Yeah. <laughs> um. <clears throat> So I'm a verbal processor. Um, Mm. So kind of hearing all this, 
and part of it is my job at the church. I mean, I, mm. I'm thinking all the time about how do we help people in the church get to know each other? Um, how do they build true fellowship, true community? And serving each other is that doorway from from being acquaintances or friends to, to being brothers and sisters, family. And the thing is that happens, like 10% of that can happen on Sundays during that service. Because um, only about 10% of the people have the gifts, the abilities to serve in that type of capacity, whether it's in the service or watching kids or, or even teaching. Like there's not a lot of mm-hmm. people that do that. And, mm-hmm. and this might, this might be what brings it full circle back to why I responded the way I did in, in that post is we put so much value on people attending that and it is valuable, right? We do need to gather together. Um, and, and that, that time during the week where the body comes and we and we see each other worship, we're, we're in this together. We see we're part of something bigger. Um, we're challenged by, by teaching, Um, you know, we see that we're in a mission with other people. That's very important. Um, that first church, like we don't see them develop organically into a, well, we're just going to get around these people once a week on Sunday and we're going to do this thing. It, It was just their life with each other did this. And when you read all of Jesus's commands to, his followers about what their Christianity looks like. It always involves one another, right? There are 60 something commands along those lines. Um, And, you know, love each other, love one another, bear one another's burdens, admonish one another, all that stuff. Like that has to happen in relationship. So. That's why the lobby is more important than the sanctuary. There you go. And listen, that's why we have a coffee bar in our lobby. I, it's not necessarily attractional. It's we and we have little tables out. We want people to come, get coffee, hang out, and talk. Because we all know guys are going to talk better if there's something in their hand between them and another guy. It's a, it breaks down a barrier. What's in the um, mug? It was tea with uh, honey in it, but nothing else. Um, tea Kila. Uh, uh, no, that would probably help. But all that, all that to say, like w- if we put all of our eggs in our churches, our church is successful in people's attendance on a Sunday morning. No matter what they're doing when they get there, we're already missing it, and and we're 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 putting too much concern and value into something that doesn't really give us a full indicator. I think Sunday is extremely valuable, but if you have Sunday and there's nothing during the week of your people loving each other and serving each other and talking about spiritual things together and praying with each other and pursuing depth, whatever that is. If, if there's not that, is that a church? I mean, is that really accomplishing a biblical mandate of what we've been given from, from Jesus to care for one another? Um, I don't think it does. So I just think when these things happen, when we see an opportunity, say, well, they're not at church. They didn't come this Sunday. Okay. But, but are they still engaged in relationship with other people that are believers during the week, sharpening each other? And if we're not as concerned about that as we are about people just showing up on Sundays, we got things out of whack as a church. We got our priorities out of line um, because that's where they're going to learn to love the church. 
right, is when they, as Grant said, when they see how they can serve and give to each other. Um, and I think that's where my, that unrest in my heart was coming from is I, we just focus on something that I don't know if is, is as important. That sounds terrible as church, St. Church tends as it, but, but something that's our metric and not the whole life. Mm-hmm. of the church body together. Does that make any sense or I'm just rambling here? Yeah. I, you know, in a way it's like, there's that mindset out there that is so fixated on perfect attendance at church mm-hmm. or just being in a building instead of being the church. And it's, you know, to the point of where, you know, I, I think in the minds of some of these pastors or whoever, they would almost be satisfied to see that person walk through their doors, but then never talk to them ever or have a relationship with them. And Grant, I think you alluded to it earlier. Both of you guys have been talking about this, but just that idea of serving together is what bonds us together. And I would say that the four of us are, are an example of that. All four of us, you know, we say it at the beginning of every podcast, we, we worked in ministry together and um, I didn't even get started- paid. Yeah. And Ryan didn't either. (laughs) But, um, you know, we served together. We, not even for that long for, for, you know, Grant just the summer, but, but really just a few years that we were together and we started a a group on Facebook and, and we shared jokes, but there was just a bond that continued really over well over a decade and brought us to this point to where now we're doing a silly podcast together. And it's, I think, proof of that that bond that comes through lovingly serving in Christ's name together. It's, it's something that is, you know, when you talk about being a contagious Christian, and it, it, it is the, the attractant without it being something that you can manufacture, but it's just authentic. You know, we, we serve out of our love for Christ and, and our love for one another. We fellowship together. We live life together. Thus, we it's just natural. We, we do things together. We want to be together. We want to be the church. And I, I, I think we try too hard, obviously, and we've already talked about it, to manufacture it through, through other means. And uh, what happens is we fall terribly short. Mm-hmm. And uh, oftentimes we make ourselves look ridiculous in the process of just trying to be like anything else that the world has out there. It's really about living dedicated to Christ in an authentic way and, uh, and living that out. And uh, I, I think that's what you see the early church doing. That, like you said earlier, Josh, they, they weren't worried about all of these other things. It was naturally organically happening because of their love and passion Jesus Christ and, and their dedication to serving him. Yeah. And, you know, I've served as a pastor and I understand the, did that for five and a half years. I, and then, you know, leading student ministry where we stood in front of a room full of chairs every week to, to, to do a worship service. Like we, we get what it's like to be in that place of leadership and have, an, an event, a gathering that we've just poured ourselves into all week long. And, um, and when we see people not there, it does hurt. Like it, it hurts one to like, ah, they're going to miss out. Wish they were here. Or even, even the insecure part of why aren't they here? Did they go somewhere else? Like I, I get that. I've been there. Um, 
the at the church I pastored, we had a Sunday morning gathering, and then we had four or five home groups, and we we called them um, life groups, and we we designed them to be like home churches, and so they had an elder in them, and they pretty much did everything. We wanted them to do everything a church would do, um, in their time together. And and we told people on Sundays if you if you only have an hour to give, go to your group, and and miss out on this. Go to your group. Now I said that I don't know if I really meant it. You know, I know I would have loved to have a full room every time we we met. I get that. I get that battle and and um, that tension that's in our hearts as leaders. So I don't want to. I don't want to um, pull away from that for any pastors or ministry leaders that are, that are listening to this. But I do think we need to get to a point, especially with today's culture, where the average church attender attends 50% every month. So two out of four Sundays, basically. That's average attendance, at least in the South. I don't know what it is in the Pacific Northwest, but we I think we have to get to the point where we understand, okay, people are not going to be here all the time. So what are we doing to make sure that whether they're here or not, there's a a group of believers that they're connected to, whether that small group or whatever you would call it, so that when they're not here, they're still connected to the church. They're still being encouraged and prayed for and loved on, and they're still having the opportunities to do that. Um, and listen, if the United States goes the way of so many other areas around our world where the church has moved underground, Sunday mornings aren't going to be the way that we exist anymore. Like it's going to be, um, we may still all come together once a week for something, but it's going to be very different than what we know now. And where the church is exploding and growing the most are in those types of situations um, where it is a close bond with each other, where they're really putting their lives on the line for each other. And I think that's just kind of where we need to get to. I do want to share two other comments I had that I think are very insightful. Uh, my friend Brent Scott said, <laughs> oh, I thought not your times, comments. No, friend, somebody else. <laughs> Brent Scott, my friend said, I thought several times during church services, how much more entertaining it would be if we could tackle each other every now and then. I agree. I think, I think, um, and then, uh, you would have to juke. Not yeah. Juke, tackle. Yeah. Um, Karen Neil Naylor, another friend, I think running up and dumping a bucket of water over the pastor when he preaches, teaches a really good, when he preaches or teaches a really good sermon would probably wake folks up. So there's some good ways yeah. to make sure people don't miss on Sunday. If they know they can tackle people or the pastor might get a Gatorade bath, I'm not missing out. Well, tell that lady, we see that tweet every single Easter or Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Or you could kick footballs through the baptistry. Hmm. Heard that works too. Were, were, were you at Hilldale when that happened, Josh? <laughs> I don't think I was there for that one. So we, we used to have, you were there when we had Super Bowl Sunday yes. and they would throw out the little footballs. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> we used to have, this was in the 90s, um, high attendance Sunday on Super Bowl Sunday. And... Uh, you know, they would try to get like, I don't know, 2000 people at church or whatever it was. And anyways, at the end of the service, they had all these little tiny footballs 
that they had printed like the church's logo on and they'd throw them out. And of course, like kids and teenagers would fight over them and adults. But uh, one year we had some like old retired kicker from like the Cowboys was like a guest speaker. And uh, (laughs) as a stunt, he kicked a football through the baptistry. It took him three tries, but he got it on the third try. (laughs) Just into the baptistry. Into the baptistry from like the the middle of the sanctuary, which is probably like 50 feet. I, I don't know. Was, uh, yeah, it was ridiculous. Was Doctor Moore still the the? Yeah, that sounds like a Verlin thing. <laughs> I don't remember that. I I don't know if because we left in '96. I don't know if uh, that was before or after that. <laughs> <clears throat> we we, we had Metalarca Lemon from the Globetrotters one year. I remember that. Mm, I remember that one on on Super Bowl Sunday, and then we had this like Cowboys kicker that. Yeah, well, I think if good. we had like punt, <laughs> kick, and pass competitions during the services, that might that might get the crowd, you know, engaged a little bit. Yeah, I liked those little footballs; those were cool. That's all Hunter. we're missing. Yeah, I hardly know her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it it's funny. It, it's funny we laugh at it. Um, and uh, some of those comments that you're reading, Josh, um, you know, aren't far off from what we've seen churches try and do. And it's again, it goes back to that that idea of just trying to manufacture um, excitement. And, and you really can't manufacture excitement. You, you know, when I get excited about something, it's when somebody else is excited about mm-hmm. something. And uh, I, I remember going to aerosol school 10 years ago. June or January of 2014. And, uh, I just knew it was something I wanted to go to, um, wanted to try it. It was a challenge. It's all about aerosol operations for 10 days. Um, doing a lot of strenuous exercises, but also learning a lot about helicopters and the, you know, the type of sling loads that they can carry and, and that kind of thing. Not something I'm super passionate about, but I remember having an instructor that was so passionate about, helicopters about military helicopter operations and sling loads and his passion got me excited to learn more about the subject Mm -hmm. and that happens almost all the time in any class i ever took in seminary or college the professor's excitement about the subject got me excited about it and i'm not just putting this all on the pastors pastors got to be excited when he's preaching that helps but the people too you know if, if we're excited about jesus and about, as we've talked about, serving him authentically, then there will people. There will be people who also get excited about it. Now, there will be people who don't. I mean, as long as the church exists, there will be people who don't like the church. But um, I think, you know, those folks that, that we may be targeting in all this conversation or, or that are really the, you know, at the genesis of this whole thought or conversation are those people that you know do go to church um, so maybe the lukewarm Christians if you will or those who've walked through the door of the church but you know obviously they show they're more excited about whatever um, you know three out of four Sundays a week mm-hmm. those folks I think will be more excited the more excited we mm-hmm. we get now obviously it, it's Jesus that's gonna have to change their hearts and their their lives but you know if we don't act very excited about Jesus, 
then why is, a, is an unbelieving world going to get excited about Jesus? Uh, you the, know, they're uh, just going to get excited about whatever we get excited mm-hmm. about. There's an old quote Football. about D.L. Moody when he was preaching around here, and he was not very educated. Like he he was criticized because he couldn't even say Daniel properly. He would call him Daniel. Uh, but there was a quote about him that he was so on fire for the Lord that people would just come to watch him burn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. That's great. Yeah, I, I love it. Well, and then it, as you're talking about that, it reminded me of the saying that's out there of um, what you win them with is what you keep them with. And if we're winning them because we're excited about high attendance Sunday on this day or this, or we're excited about the band we have or whatever, that that's what they're going to keep coming for. But if we're excited, Jeff, about Jesus and we win them with that excitement um, and we're excited about loving and serving each other, you know, maybe they don't take a few Sundays off when it changes and things yeah. aren't as good or as exciting as they used to be. That's why as a kid, I was only excited about Play-Doh and it took me a long time to get excited about Jesus. I just wanted to play more Play-Doh. <laughs> I mean, it tastes better than communion. That's, that's true. Mm. Communion just leaves <laughs> you thirsty a lot of communion. <laughs> yeah. I want more bread. The church, no I, think I told you guys this, that I led, we used Hawaiian bread <laughs> for our communion. It was so good. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> good and then New Covenant, baby. <laughs> but Jesus was Jewish. <laughs> the, the yeast you could do. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, it's good. It's been a great discussion, guys, and uh, I'm sure there's a lot of the world's problems that we could continue to solve if we keep chatting. But if you want to join us, our listeners, uh, in this discussion, please comment and let us know what you think, or go to Josh's Facebook because there's already like 30 comments, and uh, you can uh, jump in the discussion. Yeah, blow there. Up I my think notifications. A, yeah, his last name Josh is Allen, right and he plays quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> And if he says he has no idea what you're talking about, that means he he's he's tracking. Yeah, that's with a code him. word. That's a code word. Yeah. Hey, I do want to just say one thing as we close here. Um, Jeff mentioned how you know we from serving together have maintained this relationship and this friendship, um, the four of us for 15 years or so plus. I don't know the all four all four of us together um, since 2008. 10. 10? Yeah, Summer 2010. 10, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Ooh, Jeff yeah. and I have known each other from the, since the early '90s. But yeah. when when my dad passed that day, um, these guys were the very first people I I notified. Um, I shot a message out to the Dude Facts chat, uh, chat group and asked it and said, "Hey, here's what's happened. Just need you to be praying." And of course, they did. They jumped right on it. And that's that's kind of that idea of. Uh, closer than family, you know, true brothers and what serving and loving each other provi- provides you. You know, I, I couldn't imagine being in a church and not really knowing anybody when something like that happens. Who do you, who do you reach out to? Um, but these guys have been that for me. I do appreciate you guys uh, praying and giving me a, a week off and then another week because I was sick. Um, but that's what it's all about, man. That's it. I just wish we went that's to church That's our hokey together. pokey. Well, we are the church. So that's true. There you go. 
Jesus, Jesus. Take me to church. I'll worship like a dog. <laughs> you want to have your choir sing that? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Bring in the knife, you know. That'd be great. <laughs> Grant, I'm missing your pickle. I think we need a, a pickle appearance. I'd have to sprint down to the garage. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it'll it'll reappear. <laughs> Pick and flicker. Pickle flicker. Pink and flicker. Well, and we do hope that we we've, we've been praying for you, Josh, Thank you. and mm-hmm. uh, glad you're back. And uh, we're gonna be praying for Ryan as he is out sick, and uh, hopefully he'll be back and better than ever and ready to drink something else gross mm-hmm. next week. Uh, Grant mentioned uh, hot dog water last week, so carbonated hot dog water. Yeah. Make it Does, happen, Ryan. We need it. Ryan needs to get one of those soda streams. Soda stream. And then he can make anything. We into talked a about coke. that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Into a Coke? A soda. Yeah. Into a Coke. <laughs> We're from the South. It's all Coke. <laughs> there is a well, I was gonna say there was a study I saw recently that it's changing in the South from Coke to soda slowly. And that's because of mm. all those dang Californians and New Yorkers yeah. and Pacific Northwesterners coming in. Intellectuals. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah, those non-Georgians. Have we talked about Coke what that is? is? Everything. An eponym. Well, what is? Uh, Coke becoming synonymous with their product. Oh, yeah. That's called Kinda an like eponym. Kleenex. Mm-hmm. Exactly like Kleenex. Like I got, I got yeah. a box of Kleenex right here. But, oh, but they're actually Kleenex. Oh, oh, so snap. that's not eponymous. No, it just is Kleenex. No. Y'all want a demonstration? Word. Yeah, I I don't even use the word coffee anymore to say my Starbucks. I don't do that. Just kidding. <laughs> Y'all ready? Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. That's some good ASMR. What does that stand for? ASMR. I don't know. I yeah, I don't know either. Sensory something. Yeah. yeah. Mind rectum. Automatic <laughs> sensory mind rectums. <laughs> well, on that note, we should. You know, maybe before we close, <clears throat> we can find out here on the podcast together. We mm-hmm. we will Google together. What Josh just said. Mind rectums. You were close. <laughs> Autonomous uh-huh. sensory meridian response. So, what does a meridian have to do with that? I don't know. It's a it's a term used to describe a tingling, static-like, or goosebump sensation in response to specific triggering audio or visual stimuli. These sensations are said to spread across the skull or down the back of the neck, and for some, down the spine or limbs. Did y'all tingle when I blew my nose? No, I, I, I shit quivered. quivered. Yeah. <laughs> and make your liver quiver? <laughs> well, we'll try to have some more ASMR on the next episode. Sounds good. Test. I but think we now, can do that. We're just glad that you joined us. So we glad. hope that you enjoyed the discussion. We loved it. And Even the last seven it. minutes. We hope you've enjoyed that. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs>
We thank you for joining us. See you See next time. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Let's get it.